Rowing Series Podcast, powered by Cargill. Harvest is well underway in Western Canada, and there are quality challenges to this year's wheat crop. We need to understand the marketing challenges in front of us and the measures we can take to mitigate the risk for next year. You're listening to the Growing Series Podcast, powered by Cargill and presented by Sean Haney and realagriculture.com, bringing you timely advice to help you achieve your goals. Welcome to the Growing Series Podcast. Today we're going to talk to Phil Oswald and Mike Morlock from Cargill. Phil is going to talk about the quality of this year's wheat crop and how that's going to impact our marketing decisions. Later, we'll talk to Mike Morlock about some of the best management practices agronomically that you can enable to minimize those quality risks next season. Hey, Phil, how is Canada's wheat crop this year? How is the quality looking? Well, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, we, we continue to try and anticipate what the what the last third of it is going to look like. I would say... Uh, we have a we have a red spring crop that is probably below average in terms of uh, of uh, the grade pattern. We have a Durham crop that is probably, uh, I would say, in the toughest shape it's ever been. Um, the red spring crop, you know, hopefully if it's uh, if it's two thirds twos or better, and uh, and say. 25% threes and 15% feed or something like that is all manageable. I think once you start seeing the feed percent kind of inch up towards 20 and uh, the three red inch up towards 30 and only half of your stuff is two or better, then there's going to be some challenges. But I think we'll maybe be able to, I think we'll be able to, if we, again, if we can hold two thirds of the, of the crop being a two or better, then I think we'll be okay. Um, I think the most surprising thing about certainly the wheat is that the protein is a lot higher than I would have guessed given how the yields are running and uh, we got yields that are running I don't know I don't wouldn't say they're necessarily right up there with what we had in 13 but they're within spitting distance of it it feels as though there's going to be uh, enough protein around on, on the spring wheat side that um, certainly certainly helps well, as you indicated, we've got some quality issues with the wheat crop. How is that going to affect the prices that farmers are going to get at the elevator? Well, it's always a good question. I mean, the you know the first reaction is there's no milling quality, therefore the price will go higher, which is you know that you know at a high level makes sense. But the, the trouble is there's so much wheat in the world, right? And and interestingly enough, there's a, there there is a lot of poor quality wheat in the world. But what ends up happening is that millers then try and figure out how to use the poor quality. And 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 so the the one impact I would say on prices at the elevator for for a Canadian farmer is that much of the quality difference between for lack of a better term higher quality versus lower quality in the world market is being reflected in the price differential between Minneapolis futures and, and Kansas City futures. So today, um, you know, Minneapolis December futures are almost a, a dollar a bushel higher than the Kansas City December futures. And typically, Minneapolis futures would only be, you know, 
I don't know, 25 to 50 cents a bushel higher. So to some degree, the, 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 quality, um, the quality issues that we're dealing with in Canada are being reflected uh, in, uh, in the high Minneapolis uh, futures relative to both Kansas City and Chicago. So, Phil, when we look at, uh, at the elevator, what is the base grade wheat that elevators will even accept? Well, I mean, I think it, I would say, again, if, you, if we get ourselves into a situation where two-thirds of the crop is two or better, then chances are we'll be able to be, um, you know, we'll probably be able to get some, uh, hopefully blend the threes up to a degree and, uh, and, 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 and get them up into a two. But I think, you know, if you end up with more than 20% of the crop being a three red, then there's going to have to be some threes that get sold outright. Feed wheat um, will be very situational in terms of uh, the bread wheat. Uh, people will be asking, okay, tell me, why is it a feed wheat? Is it feed because of sprouts and the falling number doesn't hold? Is it feed because it's got high vomi? Um, it becomes extremely situational um, depending on where you are at a, at a, at a location level. Um, so, uh, you know, twos and better, fine. Um, you know, number ones in and of themselves, there's actually only one customer in the world that, or at least out of, that, that comes to Canada that has to absolutely have to have a number one, and that's Japan. And Japan would take a million and a quarter, say, a million and a quarter tons of of wheat out of Canada, which would be less than 10% of the total export number. Um, so, you know, if you can blend some ones with some threes and make some twos, you're kind of hoping that works. But typically, it takes a couple of loads of ones and a load of three to make a two. But again, it'll all be dependent on what the downgrading factors are on the threes. Well, some of the listeners are probably sitting there saying, well, three, I wish I had a three. What are the options for people that don't meet that three grade and they're lower? Well, I guess, I guess you always take a step back and recognize that typically in Canada, we're going to be feeding uh, three million tons of wheat, say, three to four. So we're always going to be, and you know, this year our, uh, you know, our wheat crop, just our wheat crop will probably be 24 million tons, say. So we're typically feeding um you know, uh, what is that? 15% of the crop. Um, now you're going to have you're going to have logistical constraints uh, that that might you know make things a little bit awkward at times. Um, you know, but it does become a what the what what we do have to understand is that the the Canadian trade, you know, will will probably mostly have milling quality sold at least through December, right? Because millers cover themselves certainly two if not three or four months ahead of time and that uh you know dealing with the lower quality the feed type quality you got to get your arms wrapped around um why is it feed can it be blended up at a certain point in time but chances are the market can only kind of get itself around to trying how to make this stuff disappear you know starting in the new calendar year so there's always going to have to be a little, you know, a little bit of patience, which is hugely frustrating uh, for everybody. But um, um, you know, you got to go find the market. So 
we talked about earlier that Korea is a huge feed wheat market. They're, they might be one Ovami, but they are a huge feed wheat market. But they're already covered on feed through, uh, you know, through into January. So, um, you know, trying to push feed wheat into the market today might be pushing it into a bit of a price hole if uh, if too much comes at the market at at any given point in time. Yeah, so I was just going to ask you about is that, you know, we around the world there's a wheat harvest every month, and you, you had mentioned earlier that the world is aflush with wheat. Uh, when we've got quality concerns like this, how does that world market affect our ability as Canadians to, to market that wheat abroad? Well, it never, uh, you know, it's always, uh, you know, you're always approaching the customer when you have wheat quality issues, um, you know, sometimes with a bit of a yeah, but, yeah, you know. Um, and it, and and often the millers will say, okay, I understand it's lower quality. You know what? I'm going to have to see a bunch of samples here so I can understand exactly how it's going to go across the mill and how the flour is going to react through. Uh, you know, once it gets into the baker's hands. Um, I'm also, I mean, the mills right now. Uh, you know, today's world milling market is much more adept at at um, moving and switching from uh, one origin to another origin to a third origin or making their own making their own blends and much more than they have been in the past so um you you do find yourself having to be um you know having to uh compete with the quality you got and how does that blend work versus uh other city of the wheat market is that um uh, you you have to compete against uh russian wheat or ukrainian wheat in addition to the us australia uh european type wheats and 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 the millers are getting they're they're much more they have a much greater ability to to mix and match wheats through their mills uh, than they have in the past so um uh, that 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 just a it's just a bit of a process every year especially if you have quality uh, quality challenges okay phil thanks a lot for joining us today no problem john now that we've heard from phil about the status of this year's canadian wheat crop let's talk to mike about some of the things that we can do agronomically to mitigate some of the risk from a quality perspective. Okay, Mike, so what are some of the things I can do to get the best quality wheat? You know, I think quality wheat starts well before the crop goes in the ground. Um, I think uh, traditionally we think about managing crop quality in season um, with a fungicide application, but I, I think we, we need to step back and, and, and look at our quality management uh, more holistically because there's a lot of things we can do before the crop goes in the ground um, to set us up for uh, for good quality come harvest. Okay, so some of the listeners are probably saying, okay, that that's fine, but doesn't it really just depend on the weather? Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, um, we we've seen amazing disease in in dry conditions. Um, it really doesn't take much moisture to. Uh, to uh, initiate uh, leaf disease or or even fusarium head blight, especially on susceptible varieties. Okay, so let's start from the beginning then. Uh, how important are seed genetics to achieving that higher quality wheat? You, you took the words right out of my mouth, Sean. Um, I, I think I think this is our single biggest opportunity in uh, in the Canadian prairies to in, improve our our wheat quality. Um, 
you know, I think I think there's an opportunity to spend the same time on on selecting um, our wheat seed varieties that that we that we spend on selecting our uh, our hybrid canola. Right. So, do you th- do you think that uh, the issue is that farmers aren't spending enough time, so, you know, trying to figure out what is the best wheat variety for their farm, or those genetics just aren't available yet? You know, there's a there's a lot we can do with with our current genetics, and and I think I think by looking at um, our variety selection in, in a little different way, we can set ourselves up for for managing our quality once once the crops out of the ground. Well, before we get that crop out of the ground, what about considering seed treatments to control those seed-borne diseases? Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there's a lot of fantastic seed treatments on the market, and and I think the the single greatest thing you can do to to help manage your your fusarium head blight is to ensure that the crop comes out of the ground evenly, and and even even backing up a little bit and looking at your your uh, your seed selection. Um, we, we tend to look at maturity um, as, as more of a way to manage uh, manage the, the crop come harvest, but I, I think we, we also have to look at uh, the variety's maturity when it comes time to uh, to time our uh, our fungicide spray in season. So the, the way I look at at, a, at effective fusarium head blight control, which is which is probably our biggest or is our biggest economic disease in, in wheat, um, we have to look at, at setting up that, that head fungicide timing for success. And, and the single biggest thing we can do to set up that timing for success is ensure that the crop is even when we apply the fungicide. And, and so, um, you know, selecting good genetics, you know, looking at maturity, um, looking at, you know, your your uh, your disease resistance, including fusarium head blight, is is critical in 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 seed variety selection. But uh, to, to your point, adding a seed treatment and um, and ensuring that that crop emerges evenly, um, tillers evenly, and and ultimately heads evenly, um, sets ourselves up for for actually being able to manage um, our quality, particularly with fusarium head blight. Yeah, we've been hearing a lot of stories, specifically uh, from a corn standpoint, as far as, you know, a lot of yield is determined by the evenness of that emergence. So you'd think that your cereal crops like wheat would be very, very similar. Do do you think one of the challenges with uh, seed treatments is that they're more of a preventative measure than, say, a reactive measure like, hey, I see a weed, I need to spray for it? Absolutely. I um I think by the time you realize that uh, that you should have used a seed treatment, particularly in cold, wet conditions, late, where you know, whereas a, you know, with a herb post-emergent herbicide, you're you're making that decision in season, and and you, you know, you have an opportunity to uh, to, to use the best product. Whereas with with a seed treatment, you, you know, you really, you really need to back up and and start with a good seed test. And, and then determine uh, what the best product is to uh, to apply to, um, to ensure you're controlling your any inoculum disease inoculum that's uh, that's on your seed that could affect emergence. Yeah. So in terms of weed control, what 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 role does controlling weeds properly play in achieving high wheat quality? You know, when you look at um, having a consistent um, 
maturity across the field. Um, weed control can play a play a huge role. I mean, you you know, it's probably our, our single largest threat to yield is is weeds in, in most crops, and uh, and making sure that uh, that you're you're in early um, with your weed control so that there's uh, there's no competition um, with the wheat crop is is critical. And, you know, we have so many good options um, to control weeds and manage resistance in, uh, in wheat. And obviously, spe- specifically this year, you know, harvest of 2016, when we talk about wheat quality, we can't go very far without talking about fusarium. Uh, how can I reduce that fusarium risk to raise my wheat quality? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, the obvious answer, Sean, is... is <laughs> Use a, uh, a fungicide at uh, at heading that T3 timing, but as I mentioned earlier, there, there's a lot we can do to set up that that fungicide application for success. You know, I, I often hear complaints about um, that T3 fungicide not working, and 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 growers still ending up with uh, with significant head blight and. And certainly under extreme pressures and optimum timing, that that can occur. But um, you know, the, we, we get issues because we're we're uh, both trying to uh, apply the fungicide at heading on on large acreage. So you know, if you're planting the uh, the same maturity uh, um, wheat variety across all your acres. Um, you, 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 in most years, you're, you're going to have uh, your optimum maturity for fusarium head blight timing um, come on within a few days, and, and it's next to impossible in most cases to to cover all the acres um, at optimum timing. So, so you know, spreading out your your wheat maturity in the in the varieties you select is is a you know a great first step in starting to uh, make sure you get the most of your fungicide application. Um, and, and, and the other um, the other things we can do, I've already mentioned, is, is make sure that you're doing everything you can to get that crop even, out of the ground even, um, tillering even, and heading even, so so that uh, when you do um, apply your, your fusarium fungicide, um, you've got the best chance of, of hitting most of the plants at optimum timing. Um, you know, in practice, um, you you may only hit half of those heads when they're uh, when they're in flower, um, and and that's why we end up with uh, with poor control um, because the crop's uneven and we aren't we aren't hitting it um, uh, at the optimum time. You know, one of the things, Mike, is that you know you're you're recommending seed treat. You know, a good genetics. You're recommending uh, seed treatment. You're recommending good weed control. Maybe a fungicide to control the fusarium risk. All of that adds up from a cost perspective to achieve a, you know some more revenue. So, is this is this all worth it? Good, good question. It, you know, you've heard from Phil. Um, the value of of uh, of having a, a high quality crop in in its marketability and and particularly with wheat, if if you don't have quality, you, you don't have a marketable crop, and and you you can lose significant value in that crop overnight by by not doing everything you can to manage quality, and and you know it, it it's it's really discouraging when you manage a crop through the season to to have poor quality come harvest. And, and so um, I think 
there's a number of things we can do to set up the crop for success that are that, that do give us a, a greater return on investment for for investing in those practices and products. Well, and put it to you this way, if you don't do those things, you're not really giving yourself much of a chance at all, and you're really just sort of rolling the dice, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we tend to go hard for yield, and, and, and definitely, um, especially when commodity prices are... Um, are down um you know yield can 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 fill in a lot of gaps but particularly in in wheat you you have to have that quality or or uh, or you're missing a, a huge part of this, the equation in growing a, a successful wheat crop and getting a return on your investment on that crop okay mike well thank you very much for joining us today oh thanks sean Well, that wraps up another episode of the Growing Series podcast. I want to really thank our guests today, Phil Oswald and Mike Morlock, for joining us. This is Sean Haney. We'll talk to you again next time on the next episode of Cargill's Growing Series podcast. You've been listening to the Growing Series podcast, powered by Cargill and presented by Sean Haney and RealAgriculture.com. Cargill's experts are ready to help you make the best decisions for your farm. Find more advice at cargillgrows.ca.